Well, I, 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 I'm going to share a message that has been brewing really for a couple months now. And uh, I was going to preach on Christmas or the blood of Jesus. And God said, no, no, this, I've, been, I've been dealing with your heart on this issue. Deal with this issue. And so a couple months ago, three or three months ago, before we went to, uh, out to California for that conference, Tina, bless her heart, had given me a CD by a guy by the name, I didn't even know the guy, Gary Cassie. And he's, uh, everybody heard of Gary Cassie? Great, I'm glad you've heard of him. You ought to listen to him. He's really, really good. And she'd given me this CD uh, from Gary, and I'd listened to it, and I thought, hmm. You ever have one of those messages where you go, hmm. So I just kind of, you know, put it in my heart, and I began to meditate on it. And then I re-listened to it again, and I went, hmm. The Lord was trying to speak something to me. And so I am, I am preaching a message that I heard from somebody else, but I am giving it an Eric Kaler twist on what God has been speaking to me through the message. Is that okay with you guys? And so, because the Lord's been downloading some other revelation in my heart concerning this, and so it's totally different. What he called it, he called his message a solution to stress and being overwhelmed. Has anybody ever felt like stress and being overwhelmed? Ah, right now. I know, Tina, were you a little overwhelmed when the uh, Christmas party getting it all put together and your father was dying and there was all kinds of stuff going on in your life? Anybody ever felt stress and being overwhelmed? Sometimes you feel like there's too much on your plate. Well, that was what he was addressing in his message. And he was talking about how do you handle stress and how do you handle work and life and kids and school and family and holidays and your health and church and spiritual life, finances, your bills. There's all kinds of things on everybody's plate, right? And so he was talking about that. But I've, I've, adopted the, I've, I've adapted the message. But I really felt like whenever that message was being preached, many of our ministry team leaders here at New Covenant were feeling overwhelmed. People that I was ministering to through the week, they were feeling overwhelmed and pressured. And I've been asking several people about what do you think's going on that the enemy is trying to defeat or discourage people in their lives, feeling overwhelmed and pressured. And that was why Tina had given me that CD, because I had asked several people, you guys feel like something's going on, like, like the enemy's trying to do something in the body of Christ? Because what happens when we're overwhelmed and we're stressed? Shut down. You quit. Sabbatical. I took a sabbatical, what, last year or year before, whatever it was now. And in, in this thing where you start to feel this pressure and feeling overwhelmed, you want to quit. You want to shut down. And so I, I just, I felt like the Lord wanted to give us, as we're ending the year, as we're coming to the close of 2017, is that crazy? Guys, we're two weeks away from Christmas. Yeah. 2017 is coming to a close. Did any of you accomplish the goals that you wanted to accomplish in 2017? I didn't accomplish all the goals that I had. There were some things God said, get ready, get ready. And there's all kinds of things spiritually in this house that I did not accomplish and get pushed forward like I wanted to get done. There's things in my personal life that I missed my target. <laughs> my target weight did not get hit in 2017. You know, we make New Year's resolutions, right? We set goals for our life. And many times we don't accomplish those goals. 
And as we're pushing in towards the end of the year, we're looking at 2018. I felt like the Lord put this message on my heart to say, hey, there, I, have a, I, have a, I have a secret for you that's going to help you get somewhere in your life. Do you guys want that secret? And so here we're going to be in a couple weeks. There's going to be all kinds of New Year's resolutions that are going to be made. And I want to show you a video. This is not what to do with your New Year's resolutions. We're going to have a little fun with this video, but it's going to kind of take me into setting goals and, and, and what is God speaking to us as a church and as individuals, because this church only exists because you exist. You are the piece of the puzzle, and as you realize your destiny and your goals and your purposes for your life, this church also realizes its destiny and its purpose and its goals. Do you guys realize that? Because the hand can't save the foot. I don't need you, right? How many have lowered your expectations so that you don't ever feel like you fail? Because when you get overwhelmed and you get stressed in life, what you got to do is you've got to lower the bar and you've got to start chucking things in order to survive. Is that true? At least that's the way it feels. That's the deception. And I know with, I looked up the top 10 things that people want to set goals for in the coming year. What do you think is on the top of that list? Lose weight. How many in this house would like to lose some weight? Yeah. Here are some more. Exercise more. Eat more healthy. New job, learn a new skill or hobby, finances under control, mm, grow spiritually, spend more time with friends and family, and quit a habit, alcohol, drugs, smoking, pornography, cussing. Those were just some of the top 10 uh, goals that people make in the beginning of the year. And as we close our year, I want to challenge us to some of the things that the spiritual goals that God is wanting us to set. What do you think the number one reason why people don't meet their goals and their resolutions? Discipline. According to a poll, they set unachievable goals and they refuse to have a plan. It does take discipline in order to initiate a plan, but it's because most people don't ever set a plan. I should have brought it this morning, but when I went to Biggest Loser, I've got a, a, a notebook, a binder this thick on a plan of what to eat, how to exercise, what exercises to do, and they gave me a plan. And if I work the plan, guess what happens? I lose weight. Guess what happens when I don't work the plan? People who set action plans experience less anxiety, more confidence, improved concentration, greater satisfaction about achieving their goals, and are 70% more likely to obtain their goals. So today what I want to do is I want to help us to discover a powerful secret clue in reducing stress and bringing your desire, really God's desires, giving his destiny that he has for your life, to bringing it to pass in 2018. God's been already speaking some things over this church about this being a healing well, that we're at a precipice, that there's something God's wanting to do. And it's not just because we're at the end of the year. There is something that's really in the heart of God. Can I have an amen? Yeah. Do you believe there's something in the heart of God? 
Do you believe God has a plan and a purpose for our lives? Boy, I hope so. So today what we're going to do is I'm going to dive into, we're going to read a lot of passages, a lot of scripture today. Are you guys cool with that? How many want a secret to obtaining your goals and your purposes that God has for your life? I do too. Can I have a witness? All right. Well, we'll try to get through this today. So if you will, if you will turn with me to the book of Hebrews, we're going to take a look at something in the Word of God. I did not put this on the PowerPoint up front because it was way too much typing. And so you're just going to have to go to Hebrews chapter 11, get your iPhone out, get your iPad out. And uh, we're going to read out of Hebrews. We're going to start in chapter 7. And we're going to start taking a look at what were these, these powerful men and women of God in the Word. What, were the, what was it that they did and what was it that they accomplished that we are now building on? And, and, and it, we call chapter 11 the Hall of Faith. But these powerful men and women of God did some amazing things. Can, can I have an Amen. And I believe that this body, the people in this house, we are called to some amazing things. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking for the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. So we're seeing these amazing men and women of God that faith, or that chapter 11 talks about. And in verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not even receive all the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, and they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. Drop down to verse 20. Verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was at the, near the end, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions. By faith, Moses, his parents, hid him for three months after he was born. By faith, in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a, of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, 
Samson, Jephetha, uh, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of, of flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women receiving back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Wow, what a group of people. Some faced jeers and chains and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. Guys, they were radical, aggressive, passionate lovers of God. They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better. Listen, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us, everybody say together with us, only together with us would they be made perfect. Wow, what a passage of the of faith in these men and women of God. Can you say that's me? Say that's me. We are amazing people. We are amazing people called to do amazing things. As we talk about healing and deliverance and laying hands on the sick, we have seen one miracle after another miracle over the years. We have seen many, many miracles, tangible manifestations of the power of God moving on people's bodies, emotions. I'll never forget the day that Shelly Hansen got saved up here, uh, and, and, and literally, I mean, she coughed up some garbage because she was being delivered by the hand of God that night, and she's a different woman because of it. I've seen marriages restored. I've seen the power of God come into marriages and totally turn them upside down and restore them. I've seen God do amazing things in this house in the last 20 years. And, there is, and it is so small compared to what he wants to do. I'm thankful for where we have, have come from. I'm thankful where we are, but I'm thankful for where we're going. Amen. And as we draw down to this end of this year, <clears throat> and we look at the, this passage here, I, I, I want to go to a place here, and we'll get the PowerPoint going, and maybe I'll actually advance it and get it going right. There's something that stuck out, and if you'll go to Hebrews 11:33, 33, verse 33, I want to begin to highlight this passage here. Hebrews 11:33 says this. This is where I want to concentrate my message who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Everybody read that with me. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Say, that's me. That is what you're to be doing. I am to be one who through faith conquers kingdoms, administers justice, and gains what is promised. Amen? That's who we are. So here's the three things that it's not advancing, guys. Oh. 
It helps to turn it on. I swore I did that. So, here are the three things. By faith, which is belief and trust in what he says, what God says. Everybody say what God says. How about what God wants? They conquered kingdoms. They engaged their faith. Faith with works and actions. So, faith is not static. It is action. It requires something from us. Can I have an amen on that? Show me your faith without your works. Nope, nope. I'll show you my faith by my works. We are saved by grace, but works are something that happen after we're saved, and by faith they happen. So they conquered kingdoms and they administered justice. So that number three right there, I am going to really hone in on, is administered justice. And that word administering justice we're going to talk about today, because I'm, uh, administering justice is the secret power to reducing stress and bringing you into your destiny and your purpose for God. I'm telling you, there is a secret in administering justice. Now, the word administered justice, the word administer, I'm going to go into more, but literally administering justice there literally means to enforce what is right and what God wants. Enforcing what God wants. Everybody say enforcing what God wants. Anybody want to do what God wants? So, administration is what st sticks out here, and that's where I'm going to go today to show us a secret behind what God is trying to say to this house and where he's wanting us to increase our productivity, increase the fruit of who we are. God is very pleased with this house. God is pleased with us, but there is more that he has for us. And here's a statement in the message that Tina gave me, and, I, I, and he said it a little differently. I put my own little twist to it, but I love what he said. You will never take possession of the things in your life if you can't administrate it. You will never take possession of the things in your life, the call, the things that God has for you. You will never take possession of those things if you can't administrate it. And I'm going to talk about what I mean by that here for a few minutes. But before I identify the word or the, 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 what administration is, I want to give some examples. Because Jesus taught in parables, and I'm going to give some examples of what we're talking about in administration. Because I'm telling you, this is a key for our lives that God is wanting to, to get us, get, get in us. So, how many in here have ever planted a garden? Raise your hand. For those of you who have not planted a garden, you're missing some fun times. How big has your garden been? Mine's about 25 by 35. Roughly the size of my garden. I have seen people, when I was growing up, I really, really did not like my dad's garden. My dad's garden was probably as big as these two sections right here. And we had row after row after row of green beans. And green beans are low to the ground. And they are a back-breaking job. And most of the time at my house, my wife's a little shorter than me. Most of the time she's picking those green beans. But I do. I do pick the green beans probably 30% of the time. But my dad had this huge garden, and we had beans, we had peppers, we had corn, we had all kinds of things, and it fed our family all summer, 
and mom canned and she worked in the kitchen and she canned green beans, she canned everything. And all winter, we had food all winter long. And so the administration part of that was planting the green beans, planting, weeding. It was a lot of, it was a lot of, was it a lot of work? And she had three kids and I was one of them and we worked our tails off in that garden every summer. But we loved the food and you know what? We didn't complain. We just did, well, yeah, we did complain. But we just did the work and it was part of the chores of the family. It was part of mom and dad putting a hard work ethic in us and we had these, these things. But guess what? It provided food for what? For who? For my family. And there was a little leftover for grandma. The neighbors got just a little bit. But what if God wants to take my 25 by 35 plot and he wants me to feed 5,000? What if he wants to give me 1,000 acres? What would have to change? What am I going to feel as I'm out there harvesting a thousand acres? I'm going to feel what? Overwhelmed. I'm going to feel a tremendous amount of stress as I try to add more to my plate and I now try to administer 1,000 acres. Well, see, that's where the church is at. The Lord's wanting to bring more to us. He's wanting to give us more things but in order to do more for God, and I'm currently overwhelmed or stressed, I'm not going to get to the thousand acres. Right. Charlene can't even begin to think about the market right now. If she's overwhelmed in the coffee shop, shop in her current state, she has no mental capacity to look and envision and go further with the market or the business if she's overwhelmed and stressed in the current job situation. There's no mental capacity. Her flesh, all her flesh wants to do is shut down, quit, take a vacation, let somebody else do it, and get, and get bitter because no one's helping. And all of a sudden, we become toxic. I'm not trying to confess you're toxic. But we as people can become toxic in our environments if we're overwhelmed and stressed. Do I get the best you when you're stressed? I get the cat claws. I love it when Karen has a lot on her plate and I come home. I know when she has a lot on her plate. She's short to the point. It's like, oh, hey, baby, how can I help you? I got it. I got it. No problem. I got it. She's come a long way, baby. Woo, has she come a long way, baby? But so have I, right? But what happens is that deception of the enemy begins to work on her, it begins to work on me, that you, you got too much on your plate. You need to ch start chucking. Anybody ever, am I the only one that lives in that sometimes? And, I, and the, the thing that I've always said so many times is, you know that thing on your car, the mirror, where it says objects and mirror are closer than they appear? You know that mirror there? Well, the enemy tries to convince you that they're right on your butt. That there, is a, that there is something worse than what it actually is. 
that things are really, really bad. But we serve a faithful God. Can I have an amen, amen on that? And God never calls you into something that you're not capable of doing. He may have to enlarge you, but there has to be a change in the process. There has to be a change in the way I do things if I'm going to harvest a thousand acres. If I'm going to take my garden from 25 by 35 and I'm going to go to a thousand acre farm, something's going to have to change. If Tina would have fed 500 or 600 people at our Christmas party Friday night, I promise you, she would have had to do things differently. I guarantee there would have been more than eight of us here on, on Saturday morning putting the chairs back. There would have been more people that would have been needed in order to accomplish that task. The example that he uses in the, in the teaching, he uses uh, uh, wheat. And, and he uses, if God was to give you 5,000 acres to harvest of wheat, would you use a hand sickle? What would a hand sickle do? You would have, you would have wasted wheat. God is not going to give us more people at New Covenant Worship Center in our current form because we need more laborers. God says, sin, pray to the Lord of the harvest that the labors, the harvest is plentiful. But if we can't steward the people that he's bringing us, he'll not bring more people to hear the powerful message that God is declaring here. The powerful worship that goes on here all, week after week that we take for granted People need, can I have an amen? But he's not a God that wastes fruit. But he wants to give us more. He wants to give us more. When we're overwhelmed and stressed in life, we are capped. And many of you in this room are capped. You can't add another thing to your plate. You're done. You're actually looking for ways to get out of work in your life. You have no vision past providing for food for your own family. You're going to settle for a 25 by 35 plot. Slide into heaven. I made it. Glory, hallelujah. But you'll take no one with you. You'll feed no one else if you don't get the key that I'm talking about today. And I'm preaching to myself. God has something for us. It does not matter what the prophetic word that has been spoken over your life is. It doesn't matter what the promise that the word of God says. It doesn't matter how many times you dance a jig up here. It doesn't matter how many times you shout to the enemy. It doesn't matter how many times you confess, I'm going to have this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to do this. It won't happen when you're capped, when you're overwhelmed, and when you're stressed. That's the bad news. 
you can't administrate it, you're done. Do you guys hear that? So we have to fix the stress and we have to fix the being overwhelmed in our lives if we're going to move ministry and to move our lives forward and reach the goals that we believe God wants us to reach. Can I have an amen on that? Whether it's losing weight on a personal level or whether it's affecting the city of Newcastle in this region, region for the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it's contending for miracles and when we don't see them, we continue to keep contending for them and declaring them and praying for them and praying for them and contending for them. I need more people going to the hospitals to help pray for the sick. I need people laying hands on people. I need people ministering people. I need help. Tom needs help. The Connect Group leaders need help. Our, our children's ministry needs help. Our, our flip needs help. Our youth needs help. There are many, many needs of ministry in this house. And if God is going to do what he says he wants to do, it's going to require us to change processes. Because if you're going to harvest a thousand acres, I have to have people... But I also, we have to change the processes by which we're doing it. If I'm going to harvest 10,000 acres of wheat, you better believe I'm going to have to buy four combines. Right? So, would you like to fix that problem? So Hebrews gives us a glimpse into some amazing people's lives in Hebrews 11. And it says that these men and women conquered by faith kingdoms. They administered justice. Faith and administration is your fix to being overwhelmed with life. Administration is the secret that I'm talking about today. Administration is the secret to get you freedom and to get you into the purpose and the plan that God has for you. Everybody say amen. amen. So now let's look at another story, another example of administration, and then I'm going to define administration here shortly. I'm going to, yeah, I went into the Greek and I did all that stuff. But again, I'm trying to give you some examples of administration. So my first example is the garden. And I've got to change my processes. I've got to change the way I harvest my garden and how I plant it. I cannot do it by myself. If I'm going to go increase, I've got, to, I've got to get help from other people. Everybody say, help from other people. Okay, so now let's talk about the story with Joseph. Joseph, everybody remember the story about Joseph in Genesis chapter 41? Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, remember that? Good old Potiphar, he's the one that gets him. So Potiphar owns Joseph as a slave. And he brings Joseph into Potiphar's house. He brings him in there, and he works for Potiphar and his estate. And guess what happens to Joseph? Joseph does amazingly well. You remember the story? Joseph does great. Everything he touches is blessed. He's a man of God. And God blesses what Joseph's hands do. And then when he's, he gets accused of raping Potiphar's wife, did not happen. You've seen all the sexual misconduct in her nation right now being exposed. Praise the Lord. But man, God's man of God did not do that. Hallelujah. 
and he gets thrown into jail. And what happens when he's in jail? He begins to interpret dreams. He begins to declare what God is saying through other people's dreams. You guys remember that? And so then here comes Pharaoh, and good old Pharaoh has a dream. And do you guys remember the dream that Pharaoh had? Pharaoh had this dream of seven fat cows and seven skinny, scrawny cows. You guys remember the story? All right. Well, we're going to pick up that story right here, and we're going to look at it out of Genesis 41. And here's where we're going to talk about an example of administration. So here's what Pharaoh says. It is just as I said to Pharaoh. So Joseph is talking. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Who's going to do? What God is going to do. So again, when we're talking about, we're talking about God's purposes and his plans for your life, right? I, I'm not really interested in your plans. We're not talking about your plans. Can we take that off the shelf? We're talking about, we are Christians who live for God's purposes, not our own. We got that clear? If you're living for your purposes and your retirement and your kingdom and your paneled house and what you want and what you want, guess what? You're not building the right way. So, Joseph said, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming through the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten. And the famine will ravage the land of Egypt. The abundance in the land will not be remembered. And God didn't want that. Because the famine that follows, it will be severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God. And God will do it soon. I like that. God's will, God's way. He will do it. He's looking for partakers. He's looking for co-laborers. He's looking for people who will engage their hearts with what he wants. Can I have an amen on that? So let's look what happens. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain until the authority of Pharaoh, under the authority of Pharaoh, to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. Sounds good. The plan. This is what Pharaoh said. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh. Everybody say the plan. Everybody say the plan. I, I, when, I, when I said that, I almost envisioned. Anybody remember Fantasy Island? The plane. The plane. It was the plane, but I, the little guy. The plane. The plane. No, the plan. The plan. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh. You, you guys are really showing how young you are if you don't know that, that, that show. Come on. Anybody remember Fantasy Island? Oh, yeah. Okay. You're older than dirt. No, excuse me. All you young guys are going, what are they talking about? All right, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man 
one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and as wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Everybody say, Praise the Lord. Amen. The plan. Here's the plan. Everybody say, The plan. God's plan. He says, Administration. A wise manager, appoint commissioners, a fifth of each year's harvest stored, keeping it stored in the cities. It's measurable, it was attainable, and it was engaged by, by Joseph. The plan, guess what saved Egypt? Administration. Guess what also saved Egypt? Israel administration because Joseph's brothers came from Israel because they were starving and they went to get food where did they get the food whose people were preserved through who through Joseph through what a plan A plan. Charismatic people love to fly by the seat of their pants. When we start taking the word plan and administration and start to use it here at New Covenant, people go, don't control me. I deal with people every day with strongholds in their life, and they refuse to put a plan into place. The plan was specific, and this plan was measurable, and Pharaoh thought it seemed good, the plan. And so I repeat myself, Egypt and Israel was saved by administration. He interprets the dream and he gives him a detailed plan of administration. See, I believe in the body of Christ. And here's where God's correcting me. Because I also like to fly by the seat of my pants. If you aim at nothing. If you fail to plan, you... You ever heard the phrase, plan the work and work the plan? See, as a lot of Christians have great revelation and great faith. They believe what God says that they're going to become and what they're going to do. I'm one of them. But they don't follow up that with administration. So we see in Hebrews, without administration, we don't gain what is promised. We see in Hebrews that if we don't add administration to our faith, we don't gain what is promised. I have a dear brother that I have engaged my heart with over the years, just known him for years, just a dear friend of mine. Years and years ago, he was prophesied over. He was going to preach in front of thousands. 
and it's a fantasy. It's a dream. And I've been praying, encouraging that brother for years to fulfill the purpose and the plan of God on his life. And he fails to administrate the plan of God for his life. He's not preaching. He's not even going to church. He was very instrumental in my walk. But he failed, has failed, to administrate the call of God on his life. How many of us have done that? Anybody convicted right now? I know I am. Because I didn't obtain several of my goals this past year. And as I look at them, and I realize, and as I'm meeting with people, I'm realizing that most people aren't even making goals. They're not even setting plans. They're not even looking for heaven to say, how do you want me? I mean, there's so many people who refuse to get on a budget. Well, a budget is how you're a plan to get you to where you need to be financially free. How to get out of debt. But they refuse to get a plan. It's too restrictive. I ask you, what does a personal trainer do? A personal trainer gave me a plan to lose weight. What does a financial planner do? He gives you a plan on what it's going to take to retire. What does a budget coach do? Get you on a budget so that you can have a plan to save money and to get out of debt. What does a rehab center do? Give you a plan to get off drugs. What does a teacher do? They develop a, a lesson plan. And that lesson plan is so that, that something gets accomplished in the classroom. What is a devotional? A devotional is a plan to get you in the Word of God daily. What's the one-year Bible? A plan to get you reading the Word every day. What's a dietitian? They tell you what to eat to stay healthy. What's a coach? A coach gives you a plan for his players to win a ball game. A strategy. A doctor. They give you a plan to get healthy. I could go over Moses today, but we don't have time. Jethro came to him and said, put some over thousands, some over hundreds, some over fifties. And he gave Moses a plan so that Moses wouldn't wear himself out. I could talk about Nehemiah today and how God spoke to Nehemiah. And he said to Nehemiah, rebuild the wall. And Nehemiah had a plan to rebuild the wall and it got done in 53 days. They had a sword in one hand and a tool in the other hand as they rebuilt the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. I have fought plans. I have fought administration in my life. You know why? It shows me where I need to work. It shows me where I'm falling short. It shows me that I need to be responsible 
for the call of God on my life. And so, administration makes me feel bad about myself. And when you feel bad about yourself, guess what you do? You don't do it. You hide. And here's where I'm going to have to land this plane because it's 12:15. We have many, many gifts in this house of administration. People who are in, 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 second, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about how the gift of administration is one of the gifts that's right along with healing and tongues. And so here's what I found in my own life. I could not lose weight on my own. I had to get help. I have pretty good administrative gifts. Really, I do. My wife will tell you that. I have gifting in administration. But buddy, when it came to that, I had to have help. And I got off that administrative plan now. Praise God, I'm back on it. Thank you guys for praying for me. I know you could tell I gained a little bit of weight. And I'm back at the Y at 5.30 in the stupid morning. <laughs> Before you ever get out of bed, I've changed my quiet time from not in the first thing in the morning, but losing weight is what I dedicate myself to the first thing with God's help. There's prayer in it, I promise you. When I get on that treadmill and I start doing it, I, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Glory to God. He's given me a plan and I got to stick to the plan. Because he has given me a plan. And so today, administration, and I can't get into all the details, but we have gifts in this house. I think of Kate Fulton who is gifted in administration. Tom Preble's gifted in administration. I have some. Brian Hughes, Jeff Hughes, Connie Julson. I could go over Bob Hughes. I could go all kinds of people that I can think of who have the gift of administration. But here's the, here's the key. You have to ask for help. If you're struggling in your finances and you can't bring a plan to your finances and you're living paycheck to paycheck, that's a bunch of hogwash. Connie Julson can give you a plan to set you free in your finances. If you're all jacked up emotionally and you're dreading going to Christmas because your family's going to make you manifest. <laughs> don't lie to me. I hear the stories. Yeah, you guys got a few family members you're dreading to go see. Uncle Eddie, yeah, yeah. But you're jacked up emotionally, you're depressed, you're frustrated on the inside, you got anxiety, anger, panic attacks, all kinds of stuff. Guess what? We have a plan through RTF and emotional healing ministry in this house where we will get you help. But you got to ask for help, dear God. Because my guess is you're just like me. There's certain areas of your life where it's time to bring the gift of administration to your life. Because God's wanting to bring more to you. He's wanting you to steward more. But right now, when you're on maximum output, you're going, hey, I ain't gonna, I'm not going to organize that Christmas party. <laughs> oh, no way. We're going to do that. No, I'm helping you. No. 
I rebuke you. So, oh, I'll pray about it. <laughs> I love that one. I get that all the time. Oh, I'll pray about that, brother. Won't see them again. Start putting an expectation on people. <laughs> see you later, Gator. After a while, crocodile. <laughs> but here's what I, I'm going to end with this passage out of Isaiah 46. I'm going to land this plane the best I can. Isaiah 46, verse 10 through 11. Probably should even bring it up to you. Because I didn't even get through it all. But look at this passage. God speaking. Anybody like what God says? This is what God says. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From the far off land a man. A man to fulfill my purpose. My plan. What I have said that will I bring about. What I have planned that will I do. I'm telling you, if you want to see destiny fulfilled in your life, bring administration to your plans. How do we do that? We're going to get into that. But it really, you're going to have to ask for help. You're going to have to ask for help. You're going to have to get people involved with your life because the area of bondage that you're probably in, because really, if I was to ask you right now, where do you feel stressed and overwhelmed in your life? That's where you need to bring administration. Where do you feel stressed and overwhelmed in your life right now? That's where you need to bring administration. That's where you need to bring a plan. The word administration there is to really bring a plan for success in a work. And I'll tell you what, guys. I'm going to fulfill God's purpose for my life. And God has been convicting me. And he's had me challenge the ministry team. He's had me challenge people every day. What? is your plan what is god's plan to get you out of this mess what is god's plan and even this morning during worship everything that was even done this morning god was already setting us up even worship had some to do with this that your problem is not as big as you think it is you just need administration